Hey, dear saints, you're listening to Preaching Christ Crucified on Double-Edged Sword. Sermons from Pastor Kilgo, preached at Redeemer Lutheran Church in Lawrence, Kansas. We pray that as you hear God's word, you would be strengthened in faith and love and rejoice in the joy of the Lord's promises and kindness. In the name of Jesus, amen. Dear saints, there is a danger which comes from coming to church, and probably not for the reasons that you might suspect. There is a danger in coming to church because in doing so, it engages you in battle. It sets you into the midst of a war. Because the chief thing that is going on in the church is the proclamation of God's word to you, to your minds, to your hearts, to your souls. And the devil hates that, and he fights against that, as does the world and as does your flesh. This is why, then, if the reason that you come to church is for any other reason than the hearing of God's word, that you will inevitably be disappointed by it. Because that is what is at the core and center of the church's life together, is why we gather, is to hear God's word and to receive God's gifts, which are founded on his word. And because there is this danger in setting ourselves in the midst of this battle, Jesus gives us this parable in order to inform us of that danger so that we know how to fight against it. And in so doing, Jesus gives to us these three fundamental realities. Now, there's much more going on in this parable than just this, but for our meditation today, this is what we're going to think about. There are three fundamental realities that Jesus is pointing out for us. First, that God's word is always under attack. Second, that God's word has enemies. And third, that God's word fights back. And so, first, God's word is always under attack. Jesus says that the devil comes in order to steal God's word for this purpose, that they would not believe and be saved. He says, a sower went out to sow his seed, and as he sowed, some fell among the path and was trampled underfoot, and the birds of the air devoured it. Now the parable of the seed is this, the seed is the word of God, the ones along the path are those who have heard, then the devil comes and takes away the word from their hearts so that they may not believe and be saved. So Jesus is reminding us here that every time God's word is being proclaimed, the devil comes along for the sole purpose of gobbling it up, so that you would not believe, so that you would not have faith, and you would not be brought to salvation. Every time God's word is being read, the devil comes and he wages war against that word in our hearts and minds. Every time God's word is preached, Every time we open up our Bibles to read, every time we open our mouths to speak that word to others, at that moment, an assault comes upon that word, and a battle ensues. And the purpose, and this is immensely important for us, the purpose of this is that we would be brought to eternal condemnation instead of eternal salvation. Remember what St. John says at the end of his gospel, these things are written, God's word is written, that you would believe, and believing have life in his name. That's why God gives you his scriptures. 
And the devil knows that. And so he fights against it because that is at the core. Now, the problem is we somewhat know that the devil fights against God's word, but we're not entirely clear how he does that. We might have this picture in our minds that the way in which the devil fights against God's word is by maybe getting us to burn all of our Bibles or throwing them away or making the Bible illegal to, to have, something like this, actually removing the Bible physically from us. But that is not chiefly, he, he does do those things. We've seen that in history. But this is not chiefly the manner in which the devil attacks the scriptures. The main way in which the devil attacks the scriptures, there's two, and the first is to get us to just not believe the words that are there. And this is especially as he attacks the attributes of God's word itself, and especially the attribute that this is, in fact, God's word. It is the very words coming out of his mouth, as St. Timothy is, or St. Paul too, St. Timothy has reminded us that all scripture all of his writing is breathed out by God that is coming out of his very mouth and is profitable then for teaching, for reproof, for rebuke, and for training in righteousness, that the man of God may be equipped uh, for every good work. This is what it is. And so the devil will come and he will attack that reality of what God's word is and get us, even though we might hear those words, even though we might know those words, that we wouldn't believe them. That There is this this thing that is a little bit uh, odd for us to hear because we don't think in these terms, that the devil actually does not care all that much if you read your Bible. The devil does not really care all that much if you hear God's word as long as you don't believe the words. Because that's what actually matters is whether you believe the words that are spoken to you. And so there are, for example, countless people walking around on this earth who know the scriptures. There are people who teach in schools of theology across the country who know the scriptures better than I do, but they don't believe any of it. And so it doesn't profit them anything. The devil has stolen the seed from their hearts and minds. The second way that he does this is that he recruits our own sinful flesh and the world around us to drive us away from God's word through the, the dual temptations of trouble and pleasure. And these are going to be the two things that Jesus is going to bring up. Now, as an example of this, we can play this little thought experiment of how the devil is so good at driving us from God's word and not considering as being the most important, the most valuable thing that the Lord has given to us. If we were to set up a booth in the back of the church, and when you came in, you had an option. You can come in and you can hear God's word, or we will hand you $1,000 and you can leave what do you do? Now, we know what the right answer is. But the fact that it is even a question in our minds for a moment shows us how the devil is at work in this. And especially as we start increasing the value. Well, maybe $1,000 isn't enough, but what if, what if we increase it? Well, if we did 10000 What if we did a million dollars? You could come and hear God's word, or you could take a million dollars and leave. All of us have a price, if we are honest. And we need to see that. We need to actually be introspective on that to realize that we have that price, that the devil has gotten his way into our minds and our hearts in this way so that we can fight against him. And this brings us then to the second point, that God's word has enemies. 
Those enemies come both from outside and from within. So there, there's this question that comes up periodically. We, we know this beautiful gospel. We know the word of the Lord and how wonderful of a thing it is. We know the Lord's kindness and his forgiveness and his mercy. And we ask, why doesn't everybody who hears this come to church? Why doesn't everybody who hears this stay in church? Why do some people just not come? Why do some people leave? Why do some people come for a while and then leave later on? And Jesus' answer for this is in the parable that God's word has enemies that are fighting against this, not just even at the beginning when the Lord is bringing us to faith, but all throughout our lives. The reason, according to Jesus, that the church does not, is not constantly just overflowing, why we don't have a line going out the door, is not because the church isn't entertaining enough. It's not because the church teaches or doesn't teach certain things. It's not because the church is too old-fashioned. The reason, according to Jesus, is because God's word has enemies and the church is concerned with speaking God's word. And the enemies are particularly that of the devil, which we've heard, but also of the world and of our own flesh. These are in the parable, the birds and the rocks and the weeds. And we have to remember that it is the Lord's word and the Lord's word alone that creates and sustains faith. It's the Lord's word alone that is the foundation even for the sacraments. So that if we lose the Lord's word, not only do we lose the preaching, the hearing of this, but we lose baptism and we lose the absolution, and we lose the Lord's Supper, everything is lost with it. And the devil knows that. And so he knows that if he attacks God's word, he attacks faith, and he attacks hope, and he attacks love, and he attacks all of these Christian virtues. And so we have to remember at the outset that when the devil comes to attack, he brings with him these other things to attack with him. Some fell among the rock, and as it grew up, it withered away because it had no moisture. And some fell among thorns, and thorns grew up with it and choked it. And the ones on the rock are those who, when they have heard the word, receive it with joy, but they have no root. They believe for a while, and in time of testing, they fall away. As for what was fell, fell among the thorns, they are those who hear, but as they go on their way, they are choked by the cares and riches and pleasures of life, and their fruit does not mature." And Jesus is reminding us here and warning us here that even if we have made our way into the church, when God's word has been planted into our hearts and mind and has begun its good work in us, that the devil does not stop when that happens. That he redoubles his efforts and he recruits others to fight along with him. Now, if you've not read this, I would highly encourage you to read this. Uh, C.S. Lewis, you probably know of, uh, wrote a wonderful book called Screwtape Letters in which you have a series of fictional letters written from an experienced demon named Screwtape to his nephew, Wormwood, who has gotten his first, uh, first person to tempt. He's right out of demon school. And in there, right at the beginning, he chastises Wormwood for allowing his patient, as he is called, to make his way into the church. But then he says this, all is not lost. For many have been recovered after a brief sojourn in the enemy's camp. And then he lays out the manner in which to attack. That is, let him go in the church, but distract him from what's being said. 
Distract him from the preaching. Distract him from the words. Distract him from the sacrament. Make him focus on all the people sitting around him. The person who uh, maybe has a, a squeaky shoe as they're uh, walking by, or they, they're constantly shifting in the pew and so it's creaking, or the, the ceiling's creaking with the wind. Any of these sorts of things. Anything that the devil can distract us from God's word with. And he does that really, really well, if we're being honest about that. We, we see this constantly throughout the church. We'll be in the middle of the service. I, I, I have this happen to me, too. We're in the middle of the service, and then all of a sudden, something's gone by, and we, we can't remember what just happened. And this is the devil coming in and tempting us to not hear and not listen to what's going on in the church. And Jesus outlines then the two main ways in which the devil tempts us away from these things through trouble and pleasure. And so first comes the rocks, suffering and oppression. We might have here the example in our minds, I, I think this is helpful, uh, grass. You have to imagine that there's actually grass outside under the snow right now. But you have grass outside and it's sitting there and it's being hit by the scorching sun and if the roots of the grass are not deep enough, then it's going to die. And this is the picture that Jesus is painting for us here. We would be tempted to look at uh, sun-scorched grass and blame the sun for that, when in reality, the, the actual issue is the roots aren't, aren't deep enough to allow it to withstand that heat. Grass that has deep roots or plants that have deep root can withstand heat for a while. They can withstand that trial for a while. And so Jesus is reminding us that we need to have deep roots in the faith. We consider Psalm 1 is really quite wonderful on this. Blessed is the man who delights in the law of the Lord, and on his law he meditates day and night. He is like a tree that is planted by streams of living water. And so Jesus describes the blessed one. And the way that we get deep roots, the way we are firmly planted by the streams of living water, so that we can fight against the devil's temptation of suffering, is to remember that every Christian is a theologian. Every one of you is a theologian, whether you think you are or not. The only difference, really, in this way between you and I is that I make my living from the gospel. I make my living as a theologian. But you, dear saints, are also theologians because you are the baptized. And so, we are to sit at the Lord's feet, constantly learning from him. And this is how we get deep roots. We dig into the scriptures. We come to church and we hear the Lord's word proclaimed and preached. We come to Bible study and we learn it with the rest of the Lord's saints. We read it and meditate on it daily. And we teach it to our families. Now, this looks differently depending on our vocations. If you're retired, for example, you've got enough time where you don't really have a whole lot of other stuff to do, maybe, and so you can sit down and read through the Bible in a week. For others, it's maybe just getting through a chapter a day or something like that. But all of it's good. The Lord's word never returns void. It's always good for us to have it before our eyes. And the devil's temptation is to come along and say, well, you know, you don't really have enough time for this right now. You've got this other stuff to do, and so don't, don't worry about it. And there, he's, he's getting our roots to not grow, to get deep. But with deep roots in the Lord's word, 
when the devil brings about suffering for us, what is really quite wonderful is instead of it destroying us, it actually strengthens us. Because the devil brings about suffering and temptation in order to destroy our faith, but the Lord brings about suffering and temptation, uh, or trial, we should say, in order to strengthen our faith. as gold refined in a fire, as St. Paul says. And so instead of the sun being bad for us, it strengthens us, like the plant with deep roots. The sun is good for the plant. But suffering, unfortunately, is not the only trick that the devil has to play against us. He also comes with the temptation of pleasure and the cares and the riches of this life. And this becomes a quite infuriating sort of thing because the devil comes with these competing attacks of both pain and pleasure with both the things we don't want and the things that we do want. And this means that we have enemies on both the outside and the inside, the devil and the world on the outside and our flesh on the inside. We cannot escape. Now, we see this especially in the Ten Commandments where the Lord instructs us in what we ought to desire, and yet we are very quick to look at those things and instead to desire their opposite. Because our flesh, as it turns out, likes the wrong stuff. This is why the Lord has to instruct us on what we should desire. If we just automatically already naturally desired the right things, the Lord would never have to tell us what we actually should be desiring. And we have to know this about ourselves, as well as knowing that the devil is going to come along and use this to his advantage. And this is how his temptations tend to work in this area. There's something out there that we want, and if we think about it for, a, for just a moment, we realize that we shouldn't want that thing. But then the devil comes along and he just encourages us and says, oh, it's, it's fine, don't worry about it. You know, it's, it's good for you. Uh, God is just a big meanie head and doesn't want you to have that. But I love you and I think you should have this thing. That's how he does this. This is what he does with Adam and Eve, right? God just doesn't want you to be like him because if you eat this, you will be like him, knowing good and evil. And the devil tempts us in the same way. But what the devil leaves out here is that while it's his desire to give us the pleasures of life, but in the process to steal away God's word, God would have us have both. God, despite what the devil would tempt us to believe, is not stingy with his gifts. He loves us, and he gives us all good things. If you just stop and start listing all the things that you have in this life, you end up with a pretty big list. Regardless of your situation in life, you have quite a bit that the Lord has given to you. And the Lord reminds us of this. And he says, I have given you these things, the creation, for your good, for your joy, for your pleasure, but never to be used against God's word. They go together. And at this point, as we hear all this, there is this temptation to despair, to lose hope. But Jesus isn't done yet. Jesus continues. Some fell into good soil and grew and yielded a hundredfold. That which fell into the good soil, they are those who, hearing the word, hold it fast in an honest and good heart and bear fruit with patience. God's word fights back. And there is a progression of all this. God's word is planted, 
and then it fights to get its roots deep down, and then it fights to grow past the weeds, and then finally, the end, with patience, it bears good fruit. And what is wonderful about this is at the end of the day, the devil who has come along to gobble up God's word ends up sealing his own fate. Now, I have an analogy for this, but I need to preface it with this is a bad analogy. You ought not do this. We ought not treat the Lord's creation in the way I'm about to say, but it's about as good as I can get on this. That there, there's a myth, I still don't know if this is true or not, but there is a myth at least that if you go and you find seagulls and you feed a seagull Alka-Seltzer and then it goes and it drinks water, seagulls can't burp and so they'll explode. I don't know if that's true, but it's the best analogy I've got on this. This is what happens with the devil. He eats God's word, he consumes the seed, but the seed is his downfall because Jesus is the word made flesh. The devil comes and he tries to consume Jesus and he gets a mouthful of his heel and his head is crushed as the Lord has promised. And this is wonderful for us because then the Lord continues to give us this devil-defeating, death-defeating, sin-defeating, world-overcoming word constantly throughout our lives. He gives it to us in his body and his blood at the altar. He gives it to us in our baptism. He gives it to us in the absolution. All of these things. The devil comes to assault our faith through persecution and trial and suffering, and he ends up destroying his own work. Because through suffering, the Lord brings his Christians to a greater and greater faith. The devil comes to tempt us to sin, to chase after our sinful pleasures. And this reminds us that we cannot save ourselves, and it points us back to Christ who has. And so our great hope and our great joy is in the Lord Jesus, whose mercy to us in all of this knows no bounds. So the Lord's word comes to you. And the Lord Jesus plants his word into your ear and into your heart and into your mind. And through that word, he overcomes the devil and he overcomes the world and he overcomes your sinful flesh, desiring all the wrong things. And he forgives you all of your sin. And he opens in this the way to everlasting life. He plants into you his victory, which cannot fail, which will not return to him void. And so it may look like the word of God is weak, just thrown and scattered and all over the place, but Jesus tells us this isn't true. This word bears fruit. First, your faith, which overcomes the world and overcomes the devil, and finally brings you into eternal life with him on the last day. In Jesus' name, amen. The peace of God which surpasses all understanding guards your hearts and your minds through Jesus Christ our Lord. Amen. Thanks for listening to Preaching Christ Crucified on Double-Edged Sword, sermons by Pastor Kilgo at Redeemer Lutheran Church in Lawrence, Kansas. We'd like to invite you to join us for church, Sundays at 10 a.m. and Wednesdays at 7 p.m. We also have Bible study at 9 a.m. on Sunday mornings and at other times throughout the week. Please visit our website at redeemer-lawrence.org for more information. Thanks again for listening, and we'll catch you next time.